Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Flip This with Steve Londo, the real estate investing podcast that focuses on finding and negotiating with motivated sellers and flipping houses without using banks or private lenders. You must be prepared to ignite.
What's up? Hello, friends. Flip This Podcast, the real estate investing podcast that teaches you how to find and negotiate with motivated sellers to flip houses without using banks or private lenders. As always, I'm your host, Steve Londo, joined by my boy, Jeremy Burgess. What's up, everybody? I am a full-time wholesaler and real estate investor, flipping houses in Detroit and the suburbs. And wholesaling, if you're not sure, it's where you go out and you find a motivated seller, someone who really wants or needs to sell their house, and you negotiate a price and get them to sign a contract to buy it for, say, $30,000, and then you go market it and find a buyer that would pay $40,000. You assign your contract to them and step out of the deal. They pay you the 10000 in the middle, and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome, risk-free very good way to get started as they say in real estate but uh you know it's a simple process but let me tell you it is not easy so thanks for joining me i appreciate you listening there's lots of options for you out there and i appreciate you taking the time to listen to us and you know what time it is deals deals time for deals last week we had some good ones this week we got some more good ones last week they were pretty good, and unfortunately, they're gone. Sorry. So if you missed out, you're not on my email list. And if you aren't on my email list, that means you're not on my text text message list either. So the very first thing you need to do is you need to go to your computer or your phone, go to a browser, and go to 313cashdeals.com. There's a little box you're going to fill up with your email and your name and your information. Make sure you give me your name. Make sure you give me your actual email that you check. Make sure you put in your cell phone number because we'll text you with deals as they come up, like these ones. 18610Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S, in Detroit, 48219. Again, that's 18610Curtis, in Detroit, 48219. It's a brick bungalow, three bedrooms, one bath, full basement. Uh, 22000 is our asking price. It needs paint, needs some flooring. The kitchen needs some minor work. It doesn't need a full kitchen. I've got a rent estimate of about 800 bucks on that. Could maybe get $850. Um, it's Southfield and Outer Drive. It's a really good area. Um, this is, like I said, 22000 you want a cookie cutter Detroit rental property? This is it, Jeremy. How many deals did you do with homes like that, Brick Bungalow and Curtis? Oh man, a, lot, a ton of them. That's good, actually. That's a uh, that's not bad either, right through there too. That's really good. Yep. So yeah, I probably say twenty, thirty, and in that area, over a hundred, easy. That's that's a good area. Yeah. Yep. That's a nice nice area. You're looking for. For cash flow, that's that's a deal you need to pick that's up. A, that's a damn fine rental right yeah. there. Yeah, that, that thing will pay for your kid's college over and over. Now, again, this episode is being recorded in advance. There is a high probability that when you call me or email us about this deal, it will be gone. However, if you're on the list, you would have seen this one. And if you're on the list, you'll see it before it gets to the podcast. So, again, 313cashdeals.com. You can also email Paul, P-A-U-L, at Steve Buys Houses Fast.com. 
Paul can get you set up with a showing. You can make your offers through him. Paul is my dispositions manager. He's handling all of that stuff. He will be your go-to guy for all of our properties. Uh, again, Paul at stevebuyshousesfast.com. Uh, you can also email me, steve at stevebuyshousesfast.com, and there's a very high likelihood that that email will then be forwarded to paul at stevebuyshousesfast.com. You're welcome, Paul. <laughs> so Paul's doing a good job. He's also doing some front-end sales for us, too, acquiring uh, seller contracts, and um, you know he's got some momentum. He's doing really well there. But he is my go-to sales guy. If you are looking to buy one of our properties, that is who you need to get in touch with. Paul at stevebuyshousesfast.com. <clears throat> the next deal, this one's interesting. Um, this is a frame house. I don't do a lot of frame houses in Detroit. The seller on this house and I have been talking off and on for like two years. She was overseas, bought these properties. Um, there's been some... Uh, ups and downs with her package of properties and there's two left that were worth something to buy. Uh, those two we have available for you. Actually, one of them is sold. It was tenant occupied and that one went immediately. This one, the address is 7320 Westwood in Detroit. That's 48228. Again, 7320 Westwood in Detroit. Um, three bedroom, one bath frame bungalow it needs some drywall uh repairs unfortunately it was broken into there's a window a couple windows that need to be fixed the the hvac and hot water tank were pulled so i believe that those are in storage um the the plumbing was already all pvc and pex so there's no real damage there you'll just need to check connections and make sure it's all in good shape still but they broke in and basically just did damage to the walls i hate that shit they broke the walls they broke some doors so you've got a bunch of drywall repair uh you've got some uh doors to replace some light fixtures they're they uh how much is old nasty used carpet worth because someone stole the carpet really really but when they did that it revealed beautiful hardwood floors underneath so i've seen them steal new carpet (laughs) i've never seen anybody steal used carpet it wasn't new i mean it didn't look horrible but it was not new uh, I was very surprised. But I wonder if that's a spiteful thing. That seems very weird. It, you know what? It was vacant. We were over there, and then in the in between the time we had locked it up initially and showed it, it got broken into. And they just took the. Carpet? They just took the carpet. Maybe they like the color. Beat beat a bunch <laughs> of holes in the walls and shit. So so it needs bathroom uh, floors. The kitchen needs some updates. It needs the uh, furnace and hot water heater, which we have. And uh, just your love. That's what it needs. It'll rent for seven fifty easily all day, every day. Uh, Nine thousand. You can take this deal. So Shit. so cold in the D. They steal carpet, used carpet. You, yeah. So this this is a house that um you know it's not for everyone. But if you're looking to get into Detroit at a low bargain price, nine thousand, you might put ten grand into this house. Uh, ten to probably twelve grand into this house and be able to rent that thing for seven fifty. So hit us up, Paul at stevebuyshousesfast.com, seven three two zero Westwood in Detroit. That's four eight two two eight nine thousand dollars. You can't beat that. Well, that's um. I don't think a lot of people know that uh, that's called Warrendale. So that's a good little area down there. What yeah. we're talking about, where this house is at is if you're looking at a map and you find Southfield Road and Warren 
and you want to stay north of that and west of that and maybe go as far north as Tyreman, although I think Joy is a little bit better, or Tyreman Joy, somewhere right around there. And this is like an area where it's about 70% frame and about 30% brick, maybe a little bit more brick, a little less frame, but it's right in there. It borders right on Dearborn. It's really close to Ford. Historically, this is a great rental area. In fact, I turn a lot of people on to this. This is a terrible place to flip. Yes. You just can't make money flipping here. But you can buy these frame houses if they're not too far along, be into something usually less than 20 grand and still get seven to 800 a month in rent. And a yep. lot of people don't realize that. It's because you have Dearborn. It's, it's a more diverse, one of the most diverse parts of the city. You don't just have black people. You got black people, white people, Middle Easterns, a lot of immigrants. It's a very uh, diverse neighborhood. And for whatever reason, when the crash happened, most stick-built homes have not recovered in value since then. So it's yeah. really a good opportunity for somebody if you like rentals. You're not going to flip this, but, man, when you start running the cash flow models on this, I'm just saying play around. You might not go look on a map. Look at the census yeah. data. It's a sleeper, man. That yeah, area this, is a sleeper. This area, and for some reason it didn't even click that this was Warrendale. Um, yeah, it's just north of Warren, and it's just east of Evergreen. So it's it's a prime location for exactly that a high ROI yep. rental property. You will have some turnover, you will have some break-ins, you'll have some issues, but make a shit ton of money you too. A shit ton of money if you've got the stomach for it. So I'm talking conservatively, probably twenty percent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so that's what's so inviting about these. Okay, so let's say you had to be all in for this for twenty. If you go buy ten of those, that's two hundred thousand dollars. Or what Brent Maxwell likes to call buy ten get eight. And that's yep. probably what's going to happen. Yep. And you're going to have three or four, three go wrong. Two or three are just going to limp along. Two or three are going to do really well. And when you look at your annual return on something like that, it's well over twenty percent. Now you're going to have to stomach some stuff, right? Yes. But man, if you only had two hundred grand, I don't know. Where else are you getting twenty percent? I like money. Warrendale. I always have. The only reason I quit selling it back in the day was just couldn't flip anymore. Yeah. It's great rental property, man. Yep. Definitely great rental property, great rental area. That's a cheap price too. Cheap price, nine nine grand. And yep. it's it's priced that way because I know what it needs. It's it, you know. I think if you're on my list, you saw that's that. That's right off it. Warren, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's that's just, that's it's good. Yeah. Half a block. I mean, it's in between. Ford Road would be better, but I mean, that's yep. that's really good right yep. there. I mean, definitely stay south of Tyreman, but I mean, that's, yeah. you like that. Yeah. And if you go drive it, folks, just go drive it too. It's not yeah. a bad neighborhood. You'll see what Steve's talking about here, man. Why do you think I give you the addresses? Yeah. While you're out driving around listening to this podcast, you can go take and a take look. a detour and drive by it. Again, one more time, it's 7320 Westwood in Detroit, 48228. First nine grand takes it. There you go. All right, on to the next section. So what's working and what's not? What's working? Selling houses. Selling these things really quickly. So quickly, in fact, that most of the time, you guys don't even get them. So- one of the advantages to being off of a couple of weeks here was being able to get my sales process dialed in a little bit better. Also, springtime is coming. So spring is pretty much here, right? And the market, well, if you're a real estate investor in the area, you already know the market's really, really hot. So there's scarce deals to be found for unless you're directly marketing for deals to sellers. Those deals are... Um, there's less frequency with them, but um, like the MLS, for example, there there is there is no inventory. 
Like good luck finding a deal on the MLS. So what I've found is I, uh, there was a stretch there where most of my deals were getting sold on the MLS. I was having to list them to get them sold. You guys, my listeners stepped up and have bought several homes. You've got on the list and you're, you're seeing these opportunities and you're seeing what's happening in the market and you're acting before it has to get there. So our, our sales cycle has dramatically improved. Our transaction sales cycle, what that means is that's from the how long the time from signing the contract with the seller to the closing table has gone down from 44 days in January to 17 days in February and in March. So that means it's, I mean, a third of the time it's taken us to close a deal in January to now. And in both February and March, that, that was 17 days. So I get a house under contract, 17 days later, we're closing. What does that mean for you? That means the first time you see that come through on a text message or an email or you get a phone call, guess what? You better act because if you don't, someone will. And before you can blink, that deal will be closed. I get emails fairly often still from people weeks after my initial email went out. Is this still available? No. Sorry, dude. We closed that last Tuesday. They're like, what? Yeah, it's closed, done. I'm on to six other deals since then. You need to check your email more often, my friend. Yeah, speed is really the key to a lot of this stuff. And if you're not moving quickly, you might might want to consider why you aren't. How serious yeah. are you if you're not going to move quickly? If you can't move quickly, maybe why? you need to figure out some shit. Yeah, why not? Go fix it, it. Is this something? Is this a mental thing? Why you can't act quickly? Is it a financial thing? Do yeah. you not have the... the quick access to the cash. Um, there's strategic partners you need to make those relationships with to talk to that when you see a deal, you can act instantly and know that they've got your back. You can call them a quick phone call. Like I mentioned last week um, on our Celine flip deal that I'll get to in a few minutes, mm. I lined up the funding to close it in the beginning, just in case I couldn't find someone to buy it in the speed that I needed to. So that particular deal, I was ready and prepared to close it no matter what. So you need to have those kinds of relationships. If you are an investor, if you don't have your own cash, you need to make sure you have cash lined up, ready to go. And that when you need it, it's actually available. Several, most of these investors, hard money lenders, private lenders, whatever you want to call them. Um, they all have different, uh, well, a different pocketbooks, right? They're all have different varying uh, level of funds and they all have different levels of availability today. They might be flush. Like literally this is the conversation I had with one of these investors two weeks ago. Oh man, I'm flush. I just had like four deals close in. Uh, I, I got, I got tons of cash. I got money for your deal. Literally about a week later. Oh, sorry. I just closed. I just agreed to three deals today. Your three that you're working on, I can only do two of them. So I'm like, oh, okay. So you constantly need to be checking in with those people as well to make sure that when you are ready to do a deal that they're available to fund it for you. But why are you moving slowly? What is the holdup? Is this a mental block? Is this something like you just need to overanalyze it? Are you are you paralyzed by the analysis of this of of the numbers or are you are you not sure because you don't have the money? Are you not sure because it's an area you're not familiar with and yep. you want to learn more? The best way to learn 
is to do. I mean, more often than not, you learn way more deep and valuable lessons by actions that you take than thinking and meditating and uh, reading and studying the facts. The facts are a deal is a deal is a deal. And if it looks like a deal, it smells like a deal, it probably is. You should probably take some action and do something if you want it. If you don't want it and you just want to be a spectator, that's cool too. If you just want to, you want some, some, uh, some entertainment, that's cool too. Um, one of my old mentors used to say all the time, education without implementation is just entertainment. And if you're listening to this podcast and you are listening to these deals or you're on my email list and you're just looking at all the deals coming through, it's just entertainment. It might as well be a show on NBC because you're not doing anything with that knowledge or that information that we're sending out to you. So if you're not one of the people buying these houses and you're wondering how to get on my top secret, double secret probation list where you get the phone call on my way from the house that's how you get on that list. You buy something, you close, you make it easy, you make it known that you're a player and that you're serious and you're ready to do deals. That's how you move up in the world on my list. Hmm. Excellent points, man. And also, if you understand value, that's really – so if you're looking to buy value, you have to understand value. Yep. So if you're hesitant and you got your mental game together, maybe you don't understand value. Set some goals on checking values. Maybe give your house or give yourself a house to comp once a day or whatever. The point being is in 2017 in Metro Detroit, if it's a deal, you don't have the, and you want to buy it from a wholesaler. Right. You don't have the time you think you have. You have to be able to act. And if you can't act, you might want to take a look at why. There's some, maybe you got a day job. I don't know. You just have to move faster. I, cause I got three or four questions just last night at RDI about this and you try to explain like, well, how long it take and all that just speed is the key. It's yep. a hot market. How'd you get that Celine deal, man? You just fucking pounced all over it. Right. Yep. Speed S- even fucked it up speed. at first. Smothered it. Got a call back, you know, just don't delay folks. Two, three weeks emailing. Is this property still available? Yeah. You know what I think? That answer is no, sir. Piker. Most of the time. Yeah. Piker. Yeah. That's exactly what I And, think. you know, I get sometimes people go on vacation. Sometimes they, it doesn't hurt to ask. I'm not mad at you. I'm not hating on you. But All the normal disclaimers apply. If you know that's a deal when you see that email and you see it was from two weeks ago, it's more than likely gone. Yeah. You can check. I don't mind. But you know it's gonna the answer is going to be no. And you know that you should have acted before that when you had the chance. Um, one of the things that you hit on with – the people at RDI asking, um, well, basically the speed is, is huge, yeah. but something that you mentioned, uh, buying from a wholesaler, it's not just a wholesaler either. There are a bunch of wholesalers here in the market. There's a bunch of investors in the market that are directly mailing sellers. And if you're overanalyzing your deal, your numbers, one of us is going to swoop in and take that right from under you. And I know it's happened to me. I know I've done it to others, friends, foes alike. It happens. Um, we try not to do that on purpose, but sometimes you just don't know. But again, if you're overanalyzing your numbers, there was one investor locally that just would run the numbers and like it would take him two days to get back to me. On Like I would call him first kind of a thing. Like, hey, I got this deal. This is right up your alley. Two days later, he'd get back with a, I don't know if that's going to work. And it's already been sold at that point. Don't be that guy. Run your numbers. If you're not sure, definitely don't rush into something. If you're not sure, 
get sure, bring in a partner if you have to. 50% of something's better than 100% of nothing, right? I mean, don't don't let your ego get in the way um, of, of a good payday or a good deal. If you're struggling with, uh, you know, being able to act quickly because you're not sure of the values, ask someone. It might not even cost you any money. It might just be a phone call and a conversation with someone, but don't sit around and ponder on it. Do something. Take action on it, right? So don't be too conservative with your contingencies too. Cause I run the people like, well, I have a 10% in case my, uh, my comps are wrong and I do 10% in case my rehab's off. And yeah, you know, that's 20%. Yeah. And then you want 25, 30% off the top of that. Yeah. Not 2008, man. I mean, yep. you, you, unless you got a time machine, in which case reach out to me, <laughs> right. Jeremy or any Detroit.com. I want to go back and do this again better. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's just no going back. You got to, got to pull the trigger, man. So, yep. And so, ba- I mean, based on, um, well, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll move on because we're, we're going to beat that dead horse, but you know, you, you have to take some action if you're, if you're just sitting around wondering what, what is going to happen and how much is the market going to go up or is it going to, you know, you, you, you can't know everything. You just can't. And you, when you start, like Jeremy said, taking off contingencies for every little thing, you're looking for a reason not to do the deal. Exactly. Don't look for a reason not to do the deal. Always do your your due diligence and be, you know, mindful of certain facts and know that your rehab numbers, you're going to go over a little bit. So you do want to account for some of that stuff, but don't take it overboard. Because all you're trying to do is find a reason not to do the deal. You're looking for an excuse. And like my friend Ryan Stuman says, fuck your excuses. Take yeah. your excuses and shove them up your ass and take some action. Do something that's going to take you closer to the goal. Your goal isn't to sit around and analyze deals all day, right? No. Your goal is to flip houses. Your goal is to be a landlord and make some passive income. Your goal is to wholesale and get a house under contract and flip it immediately with no money out of your pocket. Those are your goals sitting around and analyzing the deals is not going to get you there. So do or, something. or stop bitching about not finding deals. I'm okay with either way. Yeah. yeah if you're going to approach it like that and then bitch about not getting the deals. That's, yeah. That, I don't know. I think if they don't get it at this point, they're not going to get it. Yep. I yeah. agree. <laughs> I agree. So on to the next section, we've got some stories and we got part two of the Celine house deal. How many parts is this going to be? This is going to be probably four or five parts. Oh man, it's going to be good. It's gonna All be right. Good. So, Part two is wait wait wait. If you're sale. just coming in on this yeah. one, and this and you haven't listened to the previous episode, go back to number thirty one and because we're picking up. Steve's like tantalizingly just dropping little yes. little nuggets of stories here. So go back to the beginning. This is part two of this story. It's a good story too. So part one was the acquisition side of the property, how we got the house under contract, how the negotiations kind of went, where the lead came from, all that kind of stuff. If you love those kind of things, go listen to episode 31. That was really good. That was fun to talk about. This part is the sales part. So this is, we have the house under contract and I have yet to be in the house. We've just got our photos. Nobody from my team got in the house. Go back and listen to episode 31 to see how that happened. So we, I finally set an appointment to go look at the house myself. I'm, a, I'm heading over there regardless. I haven't confirmed it with the seller. I'm going to see this house. I have eight days to close this deal. And if I don't close it in time, it will be foreclosed on for taxes. It's actually been foreclosed. It will be unredeemable at that point. 
So I'm going out there and I'm going to go see this house. I'm going to see the neighborhood. I don't know Celine very well. I don't, I've uh, never done any deals there. So I got to see this for myself. I am a very hands-on visual kind of person. I need to really know what's going on to really feel it and feel the most confident with it. So I get in my little car and I drive my happy ass to Celine and I'm going over there regardless of what happens. I'm trying to line up two buyers. I have two different buyers, both interested, um, one more aggressively than the other. He's going to meet me at the house. That guy is Garrett Stuckey. So Garrett from Dirty House Club, I think is his house. Yeah, Dirty House Club. Dirty House Club. I love that name. So Good dude, too. Good dude. Very good guy. Um, he has been around for a couple of years. I met him at the Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors, the Bigger Pockets meetup. And um, we have stayed in touch. And he's doing some wholesaling. He's doing some flipping. And this deal um, is a really, really good deal. And it's right in his area. It's in He's in Washtenaw County. This is right up his area of uh, uh, of expertise, I guess. But he's not really a flipper. He has not done a lot of buy, fix, and flips. So he's got someone that he works with as actually his partner, and he's brought him in to help him on this deal. And so Garrett meets me at the house. We go over there. The seller is running late. She's got to go and run some kind of errands. So she's meeting us. Uh, Garrett, I get to the house, Garrett meets me there. I'm early. I'm driving through the neighborhood looking at comps and I drive by a comp that had sold for 272,000. If you remember from episode 31, we had this house under contract for, (laughs) Oh, I guess you got to go listen to episode 31. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, we had under contract for 95,000. So I'm driving the comps and I see we have a comp for 272. I'm thinking there's no way this house is like this one. It's it's way too high. I drive by. It's literally a, like two blocks away in the same exact subdivision. It's the same house. It's flip-flopped. Uh, the layout's flip-flopped. So the garage is on the left on one. It's on the right on the other one. It's the same fucking house. I'm looking through the pictures. It's rehabbed. It's not like a brand new rehabbed house. It's one that was taken care of over time. And, you know, they did their kitchen one year and then five years later, they did their bathroom. It's well-maintained home and it's over 272. And I was like, holy shit, Yahtzee, we're, we're in. Now I knew, now I knew we were in. And then I go to the house and she finally shows up and Garrett's there. And I walk in. And as soon as I walked in the door, I knew this is a deal. This is the kind of deal that every real estate investor dreams about. This is that house. This is that seller. This is that situation. Super, super highly motivated. She's going to lose this house to foreclosure in eight days. There is no redemption period after that. Eight days, she's done. No longer owns the house, period. End of story. Bye-bye. And this house, uh, so the motivation level is there, right? She's super motivated. Well, there's also equity. So if there's equity and there's motivation, what do you do? You fucking go. You go to that house. You look at it. You make an offer. So she has it's free and clear. She has all the equity that there, that there is. Um, the house needs a lot of repairs. Pro, my initial estimate was probably thirty-five to forty. After seeing it, it's more like forty-five to fifty. Definitely a big rehab. Um, it needs everything. Everything you can think of. It needs to be redone. Um, it's except for maybe the windows were good. I think the windows were vinyl, but a few of them need to be replaced overall. Really nice house. 
Uh, it will be a really nice house, but very rough in shape. So she's not going to be able to sell this house on the open market to pretty much anybody but someone like us. Cash buyer. Cash buyer. This is something you talked about when you were first training me back in 2014. And what I start everybody when I start training them is equity and motivation. What counts as motivation must sell. Yes. And this is like the perfect must sell exam. It doesn't get any more motivated than this. There's, it's must sell. There's not much more motivated than yeah. this unless she was dead and this was her son that was trying to sell this house in eight days. Like this, this is a, a truly motivated must sell yes. situation. Yep. So, so Garrett does his thing. He's walking through the house. He checks everything out. I'm kind of hanging back. I'm trying to build rapport with the seller. This is the first time I've met her. I've only talked to her like twice at that point from in very brief conversations, trying to get into the house. Actually, um, that day she's already signed the contract. <clears throat> so I'm trying to build some rapport with her because there's several issues at play here. First and foremost, she, we buy houses, we close them quickly we don't buy houses and let you stay in them. We usually buy a house and you are gone. We're trading the keys for the check, essentially. That's not going to happen in this situation. And it was clearly obvious that was not going to be the case. So number one was where is she going to go and how quickly can she get there? She had no idea where she's going to move to. Oh, man. She has no clue how quickly she's going to be able to do this. Her only focus at this point was saving the house. She's still in save it mode. So we have a purchase agreement to buy her house, but she still wants to, and I we left her this out in our purchase agreement. When you have a seller this motivated, you give them this out because if you don't do it, you're not going to get the deal anyways. She probably would have let it just go to foreclosure. That's amazing to me, but you're absolutely right. Some people will do that. Yep. They'll just lose everything instead of get something. Yep. So that was her whole mindset. She wanted to get something rather than nothing. So that's why she agreed, but she wanted to, if she was able to pay the taxes and keep the house to uh, rescind the contract. So we agreed to that. We knew the likelihood was pretty slim that she was going to be able to do it. And then even if she did do it next year, she's going to be in the same exact situation. So every single month between now and next year, she would be getting a postcard from me saying, Hey, still interested. Still want to buy your house. She'd get an email from me every month. Hey, still interested. Still want to buy your house. So we didn't have to go there, thankfully. Um, so she doesn't know where she's going to go. She doesn't have any clue. She wants to buy something. She knows she's not going to walk away with that much. She owes about $30,000 in taxes. Actually, it was $20,000 in taxes. And then, um, sort of unbeknownst to her, there was a mortgage against her property for $30,000. Can you guess what that was from? No. Not paying her taxes. Ugh. So there's a program in Michigan called Step Forward Michigan. So she's done this before. She's done this before. Yeah. That was when I saw that. I knew this was, she was not saving this house. There was, there was no fallback plan. She didn't have a government bailout at this. This was point. way over three years too, because it takes three years to end up on the taxes. This is since she bought the house, essentially. Man, she bought bad. it in, I think it was 2010. Her father passed away. She paid cash for it. She told us that at closing. She paid cash for it. She never owned a house before. She never paid the taxes from what I could tell ever. She got into foreclosure step forward, bailed her out, paid the taxes. And that's a forgivable loan. It's not something you have to pay back. So if there's no payments being made every month, it's out of sight, out of mind, right? Well, here we go. We're ready to buy the house. And I see there's a mortgage on it for $30,000 in favor of step forward. If you're not familiar with step forward, Michigan, it's a, one of the hardest hit fund 
uh, programs that were set up in 2010, I think, 2010, 2009, somewhere in that range, when the whole market collapse happened and the mortgage meltdown happened and the government stepped in to try to create these programs and the federal government actually sent the hardest hit states millions and billions of dollars. Michigan's hardest hit fund was called Step Forward Michigan. It's run by MISHTA, the Michigan State Housing Development Authority, and they uh, will pay people's property taxes. They will catch up people's mortgage payments. When we were, when I was doing notes, non-performing notes, some of the notes we bought, we actually used the Step Forward program to get that thirty thousand for us, remodify the loan for the sellers. Everybody won in that situation. We bought that that note at a substantial discount, but we were legally owed tens and tens of thousands of dollars. We had to reduce the balance of what they owed us to to get to $30,000 because they were mostly almost double that. Several several of them were double that in interest and fees and late fees and accrued interest and all of that. $50,000, $60,000, crazy. So Step Forward was put in place to help those people. And they did. They helped her. Well, now it's a, it basically, if you live there every year, one fifth of the balance disappears. So in five years, that mortgage extinguishes and you now own your home free and clear again. You can then sell it. Don't have to pay any of it back, any of that stuff. However, in that five year period, if you sell the home, you have to pay uh, the unused years of that five years forgivable. In this case, it was pretty much right in the middle. Um, she had three years that she still owed two years that they forgave. So she had to pay, I think it was like $19,000 at closing for these taxes that were paid. I hate to say that, but that's smart on the government's part. Oh, for sure. For sure. And they do a lot of times they'll do, um, redevelopment grants and things like that, that cities, Every individual city usually has programs like this. It usually is for lower income or elderly people that their house is really falling apart and they can't afford to fix it up. Um, there's grants like this. They're five-year forgivable loans. You have to apply. You have to prove the hardship and all that kind of stuff. But they'll come in and they'll fix the house. They'll do new windows. They'll fix your roof, all that kind of stuff. And you don't have to pay the loan back. It's As long as you own it and, and live in it for five years, that's the other uh, caveat. You have to live in this house. Um, they'll forgive it. So now that you've got the background, I we're standing in her hallway upstairs. This is like a colonial. We're on the stairs at the top of the stairs. We're standing there. Oh, the seller has a um, late nineties, early two thousands uh, Ford Mustang, not in great condition. That is her. If I sell this, I'm going to pay the taxes. So she's trying to sell the car. So her phone's ringing. And her phone, every time it rings, she's answering it because just in case it's someone who's going to buy that car. Absolutely. Most of the time, it's nobody about the car. It's a bill collector or something else. It's like playing the lottery. She's hoping, you know, yeah. like, come on, baby. Yeah. Scratch offs. Oh, I got one. Let me I got get 20 one. more. So, so she, we're having a conversation in the, at the top of the stairs. We keep getting interrupted by the phone. Finally, we have some silence and able to talk. And I start trying to probe for the information that I need. The information that is critical for me right now is where is she going to go? How quickly can she move? And when can we get this closed? Delicate situation too, right? Very delicate oh, situation. And my buyer has a front row seat to this negotiation. And she is 
uh, pretty freaked out. Basically, anybody, any of my buyers with uh, a little bit, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? A uh, stronger stomach or weaker stomach, I should say, would have walked out of this and never done this deal. Mm. I think Garrett, um, being a little bit new to the business, let some of the red flags go simply because this was such a great deal. This was a hugely, hugely profitable deal. And I think that's what kept him in. If this was the other guy that was going to buy it, standing there having this conversation, he probably would have played hardball, probably would have either blew up the deal for him or walked away from it or blew up the deal for all of us. Um, not on purpose, just the way his personality is and his, he's very conservative and um, isn't going to get fucked around. Like this is going to be it and it's it or I'm done. Like that's, that's it. Well, that's people follow the story, the seller, even though they signed a PA, they also need to sign some closing paperwork. They do. So it's not like a slam dunk deal here. No. And with a limited time frame and knowing mm. only seven days until this thing is and this irrational on. and this desperate and going on this long, who yes. knows what was going to happen. And as we're standing there in the, in the hallway and I start saying, well, I, we have to pay this by Friday. So that means we really need to close this on Thursday. Immediately. She's like, okay, then I'm just not going to be able to do this. I need all the time I can get. I really want every last minute I can get. And I'm like, look, we could do it at the very end of the day on Friday. I mean, on Thursday, but I don't think the title company will do it on thir- on Friday, the day these taxes have to get paid. I mean, they got to make sure they get the funds. They got to get the certified check. It's not just a check from their company. They got to get certified funds, drive all the way to Ann Arbor and get these paid. I don't think we can do that. Okay, well, I don't I don't think I can do it. I'm not going to do it then. I, I need as much time as I can get. I want to make sure I have every amount of time I can to sell the car and pay the taxes. This is like fear of loss of opportunity or something. Like it's, yeah. it's so irrational that overlooking the opportunity she has right in front of her yep. for like some Hail Mary, you know? Yep. Well, again, she knows she's selling the home for well under what it's worth. She knows what it's worth. We told her what it's worth. We told her how much work we're going to have to do to it, which she can clearly see. She lives there. And basically, as we're standing there, and I, so I back off. Immediately, I see where this is going. I see where her mindset is. I see I've read the situation. I've read the seller, her personality type, which we're going to get to. And I know, all right, this is not time for Savage Steve. Mm. This is time to back off. This is time to let, let's lower the voice, watch my tone. Be very aware of what I'm saying and how I'm saying it to her because this could all blow up right now. And I already know what I've talked to Garrett about price-wise. I already know the potential spread on this deal as well, which is, of course, playing a factor on my mind. Professionals will tell you don't let that that happen, but I'm sorry. You've got $30,000, $35,000 sitting in I'm human on the table that you could be in your bank account in a week. You're going to get excited about you're that. You're going to get excited and you're going you're gonna to play to that a little bit you're going to make sure you don't fuck it up i mean if you're smart <laughs> side story i got a call from a friend similar situation with a difficult seller gonna make a shit ton of money and was totally fucking her over and raking her over the clothes i'm like but like dude you gotta close it anyway it's total shit but you're making that much money yeah sometimes you just gotta eat it you know sometimes you gotta and why would you make that much money so you got 30 35 you're gonna walk away from that because why on principle no fuck your principle can't spend any of that <laughs> can't spend that principle i have principles and morals but 
there's a time when that stuff you just set it aside. Something there was is no than nothing. There was no moral tug of war here. There was not about doing the right thing or the wrong thing. In fact, doing the right thing is exactly what we did. Otherwise, that lady in three months from now would be thrown out on the street with literally nothing. If someone bought that house at the tax auction, what are they going to give her? A thousand bucks to move? Yeah. She walked away with over 50. So while it wasn't what she had hoped, it wasn't what she would get if it was available to sell it on the open market, if she didn't know all these taxes, if she didn't have the step forward mortgage and all that, she could have walked away with a whole lot more. But that wasn't what the situation was. The situation was what it was. So I recognize what's happening. I slow my roll. and I'm like, all right, we got to slow down here. Let's see what's happening. All right. I keep making, and I don't know Garrett very well. Like I've, we've only had a few meetings, usually at a networking thing. Um, so I'm looking at him and I'm making the faces like, shit, this is rough. Like, oh man, I don't know. And I'm not sure if he's inside freaking the fuck out, ready to run. If he's on board still, I don't know what's going through his head yet. Cause he's not saying anything. And thankfully he's not talking very much because, uh, not him personally, but someone, in that situation um, that says the wrong thing can blow the whole deal up for everybody. Well, yeah, when I was with you, I always waited till I was a hundred percent sure I knew what angle you were playing before I yes. opened my mouth. Yes. Yeah. Don't Cause you sc- can kind of tell what route I'm going. Yeah. To. And I wasn't going to screw it up because yeah. I was learning. So I was like, yeah, he's probably just, all right, let's yep. see what Steve does. Yep. We're laying, we're setting the table, right? We're setting the table to start playing the game. So, so, all right. So the first thing we've got her over is the, t- is the time. And I said, all right, well, what I can try to do is I can try to book it for noon on Friday. There is no way they're going to go past noon and they have to be paid at four o'clock. It's an hour drive from their main office. At least we got to make sure that this can get done. If we go through all these hoops and we I move all this money over to, to buy this house and we miss that deadline to pay your taxes, you're going to be screwed and I'm going to be pissed. So that's not a good situation. You're going to be, you're going to walk with literally nothing. So you don't want that to happen. I want to give you all the time in the world that you can possibly have. But if we miss that deadline, nobody wins. So things go wrong in deals too. Things go wrong. Things go, things go wrong all, all the, the time. time. All the time. All Something the time. bad happens. And it happened on this deal, which we'll get to. Oh my God. Next week. Oh, you <laughs> son of a. <laughs> so stay tuned next time on flip this stuff. Um, so where we're at now, we we've, we've determined that, okay, she's got to stay until Friday. She wants to close this on Friday. Now we're talking occupancy. Most of the time this conversation comes up, we're holding a lot of their money in this particular case. We didn't have any contingency for what we're going to hold in escrow for their occupancy. We had no occupancy plan in place. It was lock that shit up. We'll figure it out. Once in a while, that's what you have to do. You don't have all the answers. You don't. You just got to get them locked up and get their signature. Now, there's some people that teach to do that with price, where just lock it up at any price. That's not what I'm talking about. I completely disagree with that. That teaching, that line of the, the way you do things, I don't agree with that at all. But there are times when certain terms that you know need to be addressed haven't been addressed. You still have the opportunity to lock it up, lock it up, figure it out later. That gives you leverage. You then have the house under contract. She signed it. You have some leverage to renegotiate some of those other terms like occupancy. We didn't decide to do that. What we decided to do after 
reflection and some discussion between myself, Garrett, his investor, um, which uh, funny story and he'll talk about it too. So I can say it. So backing up really quickly, Jeff Rabinowitz, who I talked about on episode 31 to fund the deal for me, if I had to buy it quickly, well, obviously Jeff's a networker. He knows everybody he's out there and Garrett called Jeff to fund his purchase of this property from me. So Jeff was going to get both sides of the deal. And I still ended up uh, essentially doing it this way. I just assigned it straight to Garrett. So I didn't have double the closing costs, but I had the confidence and the ability to no matter what, know I was going to close it. So Jeff got a piece of that and um, Jeff made the, made the loan to Garrett. So I know Garrett or I know Jeff is going to have concerns with the occupancy and with this situation and with what's going on. In fact, one of the deals that I have sold recently was to Jeff and this exact situation came up where they needed some post closing occupancy and it did not go smoothly. There was issues. There may be lawsuits. There's a, there's definitely issues going on with that. And now he's in on this deal. And I'm thinking, oh shit, this is going to be a sticking point. This is going to be a problem. Yeah, he's going to quit taking my calls. <laughs> how can we, how can we solve this problem? How can I figure this out? So what happened, the three of us actually just discussed it. I said what my thoughts were and it was, um, my thoughts were we need to back off, take our foot off the gas pedal and not push this issue until we close. If we push this issue too hard before we close, she will walk away. Little strategy. She will walk away with nothing and we'll all get nothing. So while it's risky, everyone understands what the risk is. We all know that it's still a, there's enough equity in this deal to take that chance. So what we did, we ended up, uh, Garrett decided to close. We closed it on Friday, March 31st at 9 a.m. The title company, which I've got to give major, major, major props to the title company on this one. Legacy Title Agency uh, in Clarkston. If you are looking for an investor-friendly title company, you need to call Legacy. You need to ask for Caitlin. Tell her that Steve Londo sent you. She'll take good care of you. Holy shit, I can't believe they got this deal done. First off, they got title pulled, um, all the closing docs done, everything good to go with two days to spare. Everything was scheduled for Friday at 9 a.m. We all showed up on time. Closer showed up. She went to the wrong location, which wasn't a big deal. She showed up, signed everything. Not only that, this was a remote closing in Ann Arbor. Did I mention that Legacy Title is in Clarkston? That's a hell of a drive. So this closer got the original closing package back to Legacy. All of our funds were wired, of course. Um, They got the closing package to Legacy. Legacy then dispersed uh, certified funds, got them to Washtenaw County Treasurer by the 4 p.m. deadline, actually by 2 p.m. because I got my confirmation at about 2.30 that it was closed. It happened. Everything's done. It's official. Good job, Legacy. So big shout out to Legacy Title Agency. Thank you. Uh, Thanks to Wendy Patton for hounding me for many, many months to give Legacy a try. And I'm glad I did. All of my deals go through Legacy Title. So if you need a quote-unquote investor-friendly title company, I've found no better than Legacy Title. They may not be the cheapest. Some of their fees are a little higher than than you know you might find in some of the other uh, quote-unquote investor-friendly title agencies around here. But- you get what you pay for. 
when they're willing to do what they did on this deal. And they've done this on several other deals where they've really gone out of their way for me and my crazy unique deals to make things happen. And I, I can't give Caitlin and Nicole and Stacy and everybody at legacy title that's worked on my files. Um, uh, enough props. They really have gone above and beyond. Whoops. Gone above and beyond. So anyway, we got the deal closed, but at, at the house, there was still some concern. Garrett is standing there as we're talking about occupancy. Where is she going to go and all of that? So the next thing was the closing, uh, or excuse me, the first thing was the closing. The next part was the occupancy. She didn't know where she's going to go. And Garrett's standing there for this whole conversation. We we work through it. I kind of back off there on the spot. I, say, I see what's happening. And I, I, all right, I'm Garrett. Are you good? Yep, I'm good. All right, well, let us know if there's anything we can do for you. If you are able to come up with the money to pay your taxes, you know, let us know. I'll, I'll be happy for you. I, I don't want you to lose your house, but we're ready to close as soon as you're ready. If you decide you don't want to wait until the last minute, let me know. We can close earlier. So we left it on good terms. We walk outside and he says, I'll still take it immediately. So I'm all right. Good. Yeah. There's enough money in this deal that even if you have to evict her, it's yes. pr- what you going to do ruin the house more. Exactly. You have to like tear the roof off somehow. Or she something. would have to have done some major damage Set it on to fire, make it worse. Yeah. yeah. So the, the good thing is of course he, when we walked out, he says, yep, I'm in, I'm good to go. You know, let's do it. So our conversations just to back up, to get to, to where I left off there, our conversation with Jeff and Garrett and myself, we kind of all came to the consensus, excuse me, consensus of, he needs to start the eviction process immediately, like literally close and file for eviction. And that's what he did. Basically met with an attorney the Tuesday afterwards and started that process. The seller did not know. So yesterday, this is that Tuesday was yesterday. So this is going to be a couple of weeks from now when you're hearing this, but this will be, have been resolved by then. I hope he's going to call her and let her know, Hey, um, you know, my partner, he's the one that put up the money for this. He's insisted that we have to file this. It's just a legal proceeding. not trying to kick you out, but if I wait to do this, it's going to delay things in case I have to do this. So she's being proactive. I don't think it's going to be necessary. She's looking for places actually at closing. She said she's driving on her way back home. She was going to drive by some places that she had seen. So already like she's already in the right frame of mind. This is a very good thing. All of us were highly relieved at the closing table. A, when she showed up. <laughs> That's always a good thing. Because honestly, you weren't sure. Right? We weren't sure she was going to show up. I didn't call her and confirm. Mariah, my closing coordinator, called her the night before. And I actually emailed her. I mean, I emailed Mariah and I said, did you email or did you speak to her on the phone? It's very important that you distinguish this. Because if you talked to her on the phone and you told her where and when to be and she confirmed it, that makes me feel a lot better than just an email that you sent her an email. Like she heard you, she acknowledged it. She confirmed that she'll be there. I feel a lot better still nine o'clock the next morning when I show up and she's not there. I'm freaking out. Like, mm. Oh shit. Nine Oh three. I see a pickup truck pulling in the driveway. It looks like a woman driving. I'm looking. It's her. I stand up and fist bump. Garrett and I bump fists. Like, yes, she showed up. Step one's complete. And then the other thing was she hadn't seen the documents yet. So I was a little bit worried when she saw her walk away number that she was going to walk away. But knowing the situation at that point, she wasn't going to walk away. But I'm still, there was that part of me that was like, you know what? 
She's got some leverage now. People do it. I we've been in the same room when people have done it. People walk away. <laughs> I've seen people walk away from a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. It not very often, but it people do it. I've seen people walk away from a deal for a couple hundred dollars. Yes. A seller usually over a couple hundred. I've had a buyer do it once too. Never done a deal with that guy again. Yeah. Um, a couple hundred bucks. So anyway, you know, it, the lessons here are many. There's many, many lessons in this deal. The first lessons, you can listen to episode 31 to get some, some, some good lessons out of that. Out of episode 32 here, some lessons are know your sellers. Listen to them. What are they telling you? What's the situation? What's happening here? Is this a situation that you need to be the pit bull or is this a situation where you need to be the teddy bear and recognize that and then adjust and act accordingly and recognizing and knowing what to do will get you really, really far. And if you don't know what to say or do, the best thing to do is shut up and say nothing. Listen more, talk less. So um, in episode 33, we will get to, has the seller moved out yet? Mm. We will get to, how's the rehab progressing uh, if she has moved out? And so I'm going to bring you um, the saga of the occupancy and let you know how what happens with that, how long this takes, if she has to get evicted, if she moves out peacefully. She has been looking. She actually was looking at a couple of other places yesterday. Um, so I think it's going to be smooth, but you never know some drama might occur and I'll be sure to bring it to you. So then the next thing is I'm going to bring you the rehab, the process, how that's working. We're going to go out and shoot some videos with Garrett. And also I'm going to have Garrett in as a guest to talk about, we'll recap the whole story and then uh, catch you up where we are currently. And then I'll let him explain how the rehab's going, kind of the things he's come in, he's run across. Cause you know, there's going to be some stories from Absolutely, his end yep. to things that he's run into during the, during the process. So, and this is a big deal for him. This is one of his first rehabs. Um, the first solo rehab, the first big deal like this, he's going to do, this is going to be a deal. Nice profit margin too. If he does it right, this could Man. be a six figure flip. This could end up being a one deal, six figure profit, pure net profit could be six figures. So, um, it may not be for him. It may end up only being 60 grand, but, uh, someone who's newer and maybe makes some mistakes. Um, this is a deal. All the way around. If you're an experienced investor and you're looking at a sixty thousand dollar payday, tell me you're not going to be. That's that's a good deal. That's a smoking deal. So we're going to bring you the some status updates on that and how that's going. And we'll have Garrett in for an interview. We haven't done an interview podcast in quite a while, so we'll do the same format. And then instead of maybe a wholesale tip of the week, we'll have a maybe twenty or thirty minute interview. Dude, I'm looking or longer that. That's going to be with fun. someone yeah. with someone like Garrett. So, and if you like that, you know, reach out and let me know. I definitely am interested in doing some more interviews. I've got a rolodex of people around the country that I've been networking with for years that would be happy to join me. I would really like to redo my Ryan Stuman podcast because that was a clusterfuck. And uh, I've been talking to him lately about doing another project, but um, I think he'd join us again. I think if you have people that you'd like to hear from local market, people, uh, national people, let me know. I would definitely like to know if you would like to hear from more people and have some interview style uh, segments on the podcast. I won't. I won't switch back to doing 
just interviews. I don't want an interview podcast. However, I think bringing in people strategically from from now that will provide you guys with value. It'd be cool if when you're telling these uh, stories of the week too, if you can bring them, bring the guests mm-hmm. in because it like ties the story full. I'm really excited yeah. about it. It brings it all together. I think it's bringing it all together too. Yeah. Also, what do you think about um, if I rearrange my schedule instead of doing two episodes every two weeks, doing it like one a week? Yeah. To make it more, I don't know. I was throwing that around too. It's not as convenient, but it would be fresher. And I hate the delay. So I'm open to it because honestly, when we first started it, that's how I thought it was going to be. That would be better, but I was busier then. So I was trying to time block, but open to it. We can definitely talk about that and try to work it out and make it work. That'd be exciting. You bring in the people you're talking about and then you get their whole perspective too. Yep. Man, that's a really good idea. I I can think of several guests. I mean, just from this deal alone, I could have a conversation with Garrett. That's one episode. We can have a conversation with Jeff. That's a whole nother episode yeah. because there's another angle, the lender perspective. And he's seeing it from two different sides. He's seeing the A to B side where I'm getting the deal. And he's also seeing the B to C side where my buyer's getting the deal. And he sees that they're both smoking deals yeah. for everybody. And then Jeff, of course, is going to um, do well on it because he's a lender and that's what, you know, he's providing his value and he's going to get paid for his service. But I think that would be. Really interesting. We could have Garrett yeah. on. We could have Jeff on. We could Dude, have Reed on. Awesome podcast. We could have the seller on. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Yeah, you get the crazy <laughs> seller on. I think we should do it. You know what? I I actually yesterday recorded. I tested it, and it, it was sort of a failure. The way I tested it was hit record, stick it in my sweatshirt hoodie pocket. Yeah, didn't work, work so well. Yeah. Kind of muted. So next time I'll just hold the phone and do it. But I had um, the sellers. Just they were just talking. They were just talking about how great this was, and it was like a testimonial kind of. So I'll get a good testimonial from them at closing. You saved her. You saved her. Fifty grand is better yeah. than zero. Yep. And I did get a video testimonial at Panera Bread from the seller. Oh, that was another quick aspect to that deal. The closing was taking place at Panera Bread because Legacy doesn't have any offices in Ann Arbor. Keller Williams Ann Arbor would not let us use their closing rooms or their office for whatever reason. Big fat meanies. Um, Dude, they do it to me here too. I don't understand Petty motherfucker sometimes. Don't man. understand it. But like, for example, Legacy has an agreement with uh, Keller Williams Royal Oak and Northville to use their offices. And I think Birmingham or something too. Birmingham or Bloomfield, one of the two. And so I assumed it would be an easy sell to use Ann Arbor's as well. It's legacy title. They're like the Keller Williams title company, right? I guess not. No. So I couldn't find any Todd Waller. Shout out to Todd. I reached out to him and he quickly had a solution for me. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out based on the time we needed. We needed a 9 a.m. And this was like a, a, a grill restaurant type place that he knew. And I really appreciate it. I mean, right away had a suggestion for me. Um, we ended up closing at Panera Bread. The reason I was trying to find another location was when I mentioned that to the seller, she was like, we're going to close at Panera Bread. And the tone of voice that it was set in and the question was, that's not a good thing. And I was like, you know what? She's already on edge. If I have to pay a couple hundred dollars to rent a space for 30 minutes, I will do it. You'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I couldn't find any place in Ann Arbor, which that's another bitch for a second here. So I have an app called Liquid Space. It's a pretty cool app. You can find like a temporary office space and like rent an office or a conference room and things like that. Really cool for the Metro Detroit area. There's not a lot of places on it, but there's a handful and there's a a few in the Royal Oak area, which is why I like it because I get in this area often. And sometimes I just need a closing room to either do a podcast in or to have a closing in or to have a team meeting in. We were holding our team meetings at these places sometimes. 
Ann Arbor is like a really fairly big tech hub now. You'd think they'd have some spaces like this available. Nope, not a one. Nowhere in Saline, nowhere in Ann Arbor could I find a, a Regis or an Amera Center or a place on Liquid Space or whatever it's called. So big F you to Ann Arbor for not having a place for me. But Panera worked. I, we bought her coffee. She was happy. Um, I'm happy it closed and it really made my week. So I was very happy. It made Dave's week. I think it re-energized our whole entire team. Oh, yeah. So a deal like that will do that for sure. So stay tuned. We'll get to uh, ep- the episode 33. We'll have uh, part three where we talk about the occupancy, the eviction process, and kind of how that works. We're um, we're running a little bit long here, but I got one more spot, one more section. We got the wholesale tip of the week. This week, I got to first, I got to give some props to Sean Terry, who really broke this down uh, in a way that I will be able to steal shamelessly and explain to you guys very well. I've known this this uh, situation, I guess you'd say, for some time, but the way that Sean broke it down and explained it and categorized them, it, it'll be really easy to explain it to you guys. And this is the Flip to Freedom podcast, yep. Sean Terry. Flip yeah. to Freedom. He's a podcast. huge wholesaler, huge, huge podcast, huge, 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 huge. Flip to Freedom. Definitely, yep. he does a lot of selling of stuff too, but he also does For a sure. ton of great free information too. You can learn a lot of really, really good information just from his podcast yeah. alone. Um, I'm to the point now where I'm skipping ahead about 10 minutes, probably like people that don't like hip hop do on my podcast. <laughs> Let's listen to last week's episode if you don't, cause there was a rock song for you. But anyway, um, Sean's a good dude and he's, he's been very giving of his information. Uh, of course he sells products and coaching groups and masterminds and all that stuff, which I am in several of them. He's a good dude. And this is really, really killer stuff. So every seller has their own personality type right? Um, one of the many jobs that you've got to master, and I mentioned this in the stories kind of section is you have to master learning how to read which type of seller you're dealing with, um, how to speak and negotiate with with that in mind. So there's typically four types of sellers. There's the analytical type. Uh, those types of people are motivated by facts. They like things in writing, uh, they're non-responsive. They're not assertive. They like rigid timelines, and they're really slow to make decisions. Um, another type of personality type that sellers have is they're a driver. They're assertive but non-responsive. They like to be in control. They're in a hurry. Hurry up, get to the point. They don't like the long, drawn-out stories. Come on, hurry up, get to the point. They're a poor listener. Gee, this sounds a lot like me. Mm. Poor listener. They just you know they're waiting for their turn to talk. They're firm. They're very stubborn. They can be tough. They're very decisive and they make decisions quickly. And then there's the social type. There's the, they're assertive and responsive. They like to build relationships. They're very enthusiastic and optimistic. They have a really short attention span. They're flexible and spontaneous and they're fast to make decisions and they're very, they can be very impulsive. And then the last um, seller type would be the social conscious. They're not very assertive, but they're responsive. They're very agreeable, they're willing, and they're respectful. They want to make you happy. They want to agree. They want everybody to get along. Um, They want to make a difference. They're very, very low risk tolerant. They're very low risk takers. Um, They're soft-hearted and supportive, and they'll make a decision if you're patient. They don't make very fast or rash decisions, but when they make a decision, they're confident in it and they stick to it. 
So, you know, knowing how each of these people think and knowing how to speak to them will will help you to close more deals, right? To help you get more sellers to say yes. If you're dealing with an analytical person who's motivated by facts and likes things in writing, breezing through all of the data and all the information and just flying through it in a verbal presentation is not going to fly very well with them. Rushing them and hurrying them to make a decision is not going to go very well with them. With an analytical seller type, you would be better off to have like a slideshow presentation. You want facts backing up why your offer makes sense. Why should they sell your house to you for this price? What are the comps? Like, what are the facts? What What's going on? Give them some space. Give them some time to make the decision. That doesn't mean you have to give them days or weeks, but you can lay out the information. You can talk a little bit slower so that you can make sure they're understanding and clearly getting the information that you're conveying to them. And then you can slow down and you can say, you know what, let me give you a couple minutes to think about this. I got to go walk around and look at a couple other things in the house. I got to go make a quick phone call. Whatever it is, let me check in with my team. Give them some time to think about what you've just explained to them. The driver type, they're very assertive. This is me. I'm pushy. I'm very assertive. I want you to decide and decide quickly. Let's go, let's go, let's go. That type of person you don't want a long, drawn-out, 90-minute seller value-based presentation for. That's the kind of person you get right to the point. You let them know, this is how much the house is worth when it's fixed up. This is how much it's got to get put into it rehab-wise. And this is how much I can pay. Push them for a decision. Hurry up and get to the point, right? Don't take your time and 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 try to spend a lot of time building rapport with that person. You always need to have some level of rapport But in a situation like that, they really don't give a shit. They want to hurry up, get to the point. They want to be in control so you can ask questions that make them feel like they're in control. Get them to decide and make a decision because they will decide and they'll make a decision quickly. And once they do, they're done. Let's go. Let's move on to the next one. The seller I talked to yesterday was very much a driver type. They, I made the offer. They talked it over for about a minute and said, we'll take it. And I was like, shit, I should have offered less. Every time that happens, never fails. And I um, it, I was able to see the situation that that seller was. They were more of a driver type. And I knew if I made a, a low offer and we went this back and forth and back and forth, that they may not be down for that. They told me what their bottom line was on the phone. It was very close to the number I was going to open up with or where I should settle, I should say. And I ended up getting it for what I offered. So I probably could have made a a better offer, but I'm going to do well on that deal. I'm happy with it. So anyway, the driver makes decisions and makes them quickly. So the social type, this is the kind of seller that you could spend two hours at their house, at their kitchen table, going over a presentation. Now they will have a shortest attention span. So they, you may have to repeat things and go over things several times. But you will spend at least half of that time with that seller, building the relationship with them, building rapport with them, talking about their kids or their hobbies, or you say they like hockey. There's a signed autograph pictures of Brendan Shanahan on the wall. You start talking about hockey with them, right? You start talking about, oh boy, yeah, when the Wings 97, I sure remember that year when they won the cup or 2002, man, that was great. Did you go into any games that year? And 
it'll get them opening up and talking to them about something that they clearly like, and it will help to build rapport with you and people like doing business with people they like, which gives you an advantage to be able to get that deal, right? It's good stuff, man. I was going to say, did you have something to say? You look like you're about to say something. But- I do the same thing all the time with this one. I'm really good at this one. I like to bust in the politics because yeah. no matter what side you're on, since I hate them all, yeah. I always have something to agree with you. <laughs> right? It works so well. It like, really does. No matter what, they're like, oh, man, like you're on my team. Fuck yeah, I'm on yep. your team, man. We're winning together. Yep. And you don't even have to lie about it. You know, it's yeah. great. You know, it's awesome. Some people won't do the politics thing if you don't feel comfortable with it. But it's I, a tough one. It's a tough. But that's what he's trying to tell you to do. Is yep. you're finding it. You're on my team. You're a good guy. You're a. Uh, I trust you. Like they, they really put a lot of how they feel about you. Yes. is how they feel about the deal. Yeah, for yeah. sure. If they don't like you, why would they sell you their house? Why would they let you make money? Because they know, people know we're going to make money from their house. Most of the time, they don't care. We are providing a value to them and we're buying their house quickly without having to do any repairs, without paying any commissions, et cetera, et cetera. So they're very willing to do that. But there are times when if they don't like you, they just won't do business with you and they will back out of your deal and you'll have to go file a uh, FU David, which if you listen to a couple episodes ago, <laughs> that's a situation that happened. Yeah. So uh, the last seller type is is social conscious. This is the type, again, that's really agreeable. You can really win them over, get them on your side. They'll agree with you on just about anything if it makes sense. If they if you can explain it to, an, to them in a way, they can wrap their head around, they'll agree. So it's more about getting them. Uh, that is one also where it's more heart-based, meaning more feeling-based. They're, they're very soft-hearted and supportive. They care about people and about situations. And in your negotiations, you could use that to get to where you're trying to get. Now, again, some people look at these kinds of things and think about it as being, um, I don't know, un, not honest or uh, dishonest or I can't think of the other word I was thinking of, but like, I uh, don't understand. They do. They think you're using that it's like using these tools for evil or whatever, but really the power is in this is communication. It's communication. It's not just in negotiating. And I'm yeah. glad you said that. Cause that's where I was going next. Communica- is, you're, you're just not. Okay. You're learning you're how to talk to different types saline. of people. Mm-hmm. If you didn't do what you did, she doesn't get 50 grand. So how did you exactly. hurt her? Exactly. Right. I mean, I, that's what I don't understand. You're not getting to sign up for fucking ISIS. You're trying to right. get them a check. Yes. Right? I guess, so I guess it depends on what you're doing. Yes. You can use these powers for evil. Yeah. Uh, we use them for communication. Good. You're and trying to persuade her for what's in her best interest. Exactly. Exactly. Communication. And if you, this is, this is true for, for people in your, in your office, in your school, on your teams, if you're a coach or something, you got to deal with parents. You got to deal with different kids. Everybody's different. You have to, everybody's personality is different. Yeah. And you ne- need to know how to interact with all these different people. Jeremy and I can talk to each other one way and oh, yeah. know we got to talk to our wives a different way. Absolutely. That shit is not going to fly the same way that we can oh, talk yeah. to each other. We're pretty other. straight. Actually, pretty. We're very straightforward. Yeah. You do that to your, you do that to the missus. Yes. They'll be like, excuse me, what? Yeah. It's going to be cold out there. Yeah, (laughs) Cold, cold, cold out there. So cold (laughs) in the deep. So, yeah. So basically you really need to, to guys, this, this is life stuff. This isn't just business stuff here. This is stuff that will help you in every aspect of life. 
learning how to deal with people and talk to people and read people and know what's going to get you what you want, which is ultimately what they want, right? I think some people think like this, like it's a Jedi mind trick or something. Like you're just trying to communicate to someone and the manner which they prefer to communicate yes. so they can understand. And these people treat it like it's a spell. Like you said, a spell yeah. and now they're helpless, but yep. to do whatever you want for them when really you're just saying, okay, look, they don't speak English. I need to speak to them in German. Yeah. That's essentially what we're doing here. It right? is. It so really is. I don't, I don't understand that, that part about it where people, I guess if you feel that way, if you think one approach works for everyone, you're in the wrong business. I really, I, <laughs> how are you going to do business? You know what? And everybody, everyone's different. And there are times. Who's like me? Right. Well, I, th- that's what I mean. There's times when I'm in on a deal and I'm dealing with the seller and I, I know they don't like me. And then maybe say, for example, Ron Walraven Ron, Ron is in on the deal and they like him. Yeah, that happens too. There's going to be a re- there's going to be the opposite approach yep. where they don't like Ron. I don't like your fucking sunglasses, Ron, or I don't like your beard, whatever, which how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> how dare but, you not like Ron? <laughs> I, I know, right? How dare you not like that beard either? So, but you know, if you, it, everybody's different. I'm not going to get along with everybody, every seller that I talk to, even if I'm trying to read them and give them what they want and need, they're still just my personality type is going to come through and they're not going to like me just the way it is. Dave, one of my sales guys, it's going to be the same. Some people, they're just going to click with him. They're going to get along really well. He's going to get along really well with them. And they're going to want to do business with Dave, Paul or Joel or anybody the same way. All of, and all of you are the same way you, and you can use that to your advantage when people don't like you. That's when you can be um, that is when you can really use the power of networking and the power of relationships. Sometimes maybe you want to bring your buyer in and have them get in on the front end of your deal. Who's Where is there a, a rule written that says you can't go and have your buyer, someone who will buy this house from you, help you lock it up in the first place? Absolutely. I've done it. I've done it. It too. can be done. Yep. You just work it backwards. Hey, Mr. Jones, I, I know you want a hundred for your house and whatever, and you can tell you're not clicking with that person. You tell your buyer, look, I want eight grand out of this. I, I need to make six, whatever the number is. Where do you need to be? I got to get it for one ten or less. Okay. You know what they want. You know what they want, but you're not going to be able to get it done because you're not getting along with this person or this seller. All right, Jeremy, why don't you come to the house with me? You can do your walkthrough and then maybe you can help get the seller on board because I know you like farming and you like X, Y, Z and this person, they have a backyard farm. Yeah, that's a lot of strategy. Like all that kind of stuff. You got, you've got to think about what you're doing. I mean, if you are truly in this business to be in business and not just, you know, flip a house or two, that you're not a hobbyist, especially in this competitive you need market. to think about it. This is a good way to try it. Cause what was the last four months like? It's I mean, crazy. pretty brutal. Yeah. I mean, like people are getting 20 postcards. I mean, like, it, yeah. 
speed count, like every advantage. Mm-hmm. This is a good, these are good tips. This is, a, this is an advantage for you to approach a seller in a different fashion. For sure. Where you might actually be able to get, that's like a lot of value add right there too. Yeah. And it's going to set you apart from all the people that are brand new that don't, yeah. you know, that, that maybe they went to a, a weekend seminar or maybe they, they just learned about this on the radio and started doing some Googling and they're on bigger pockets. This is going to set you apart from them. Every little advantage and edge that you can get is going to help you not just today in your business, but over the course of your career. I'm still utilizing things I learned in 2005 when I was still in the learning phase that I literally use every single day in my business. It's just there are some of those things that you do and that you learn over time that are invaluable pieces uh, of of intel or of tech or equipment or whatever it is that you come across in your business. And, you know, that's, that's why you're here. You're here to to create a business, to provide some value and to do some deals. So reminds me of, uh, how was that movie with, uh, Al Pacino? It's a game of inches. It's like oh, any given Sunday. Yeah, any given. Thank you. Any given Sunday. That remember that speech we was talking about inches. Mm -hmm. People ask me, how do you get deals when it's this competitive too? That's another good. Re- now you have, which by the do, do you want me to put a link of that in the show notes for people? Do um, you have a scan for I that? Probably or, could. Or do you want me to scan it? I probably could. Yeah, actually, you can have this. I okay. It, it won't be the best quality. It's part of a larger project. I'll email it to you too. So this, sure. so Steve was re- um, reading this, the analytical, the driver, the social, and the social conscious. I will scan and put this in the show notes with a link so you can see exactly what Steve was talking about too. And maybe if you're listening to it at the end, maybe you'll just go print this off and go back and listen to it again. Cause when you have it in front of you, I was looking at it when he was talking about it too. That might help. So I'll scan that for you guy and put it in the link. Thank you, Steve. Yep. It's really helpful. And again, all props to Sean Terry. It's completely his. I stole it from him. I didn't steal it. I actually paid for a course that this was in. Yeah. So, uh, I am not claiming any sort of, um, ownership to it or authorship to it but hey if something's good it's good you have to recognize it and share it that guy does and a i lot know of sean deals. would appreciate it yeah he does a lot of deals for well shit two years ago it was 4.5 million yeah. so i don't even know the last two years is probably even even more <clears throat> and again the best part is he's a good guy all my experience with him is he's an honest good guy when i first was turned on to him he annoyed the piss out of me because of his voice and his he does have the energy yeah. and his enthusiasm on the show, but that's what it is. It's what you're supposed to do, right? Not everyone's all monotone, boring Steve voice. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just used to it. I don't mind. I'm also real. Like I'm not trying to throw my voice or give you the fake radio voice or any of that kind of stuff. It's not me. I hate that. Professional radio people that I listen to make fun of that and it just it's stuck with me ever since since about 06 when i first was turned on to opie and anthony radio those guys would just brutally be on those fake radio voice guys and they did a segment called jocktober every october making fun of other radio <laughs> shock jocks and stuff around the country so he does have a shit ton of good content though. yes oh yeah. you cannot hate i don't i can't and he does sell shit all the time so cannot the hustle disclosure can't knock the uh the information is very good he's super smart he has been doing this for as long, or actually he's been doing this for longer than me. He's been in investing in real estate since like 03. Built it all, lost it all, built it back up again. He's in a couple of mastermind groups that I'm um, involved with. So 
good dude, solid information, and all the props to him. And I appreciate you guys listening. Um, Jeremy will put that in the show notes. And that's really all I've got. I hope that you all found some value. This is a fucking kick ass episode. episode, Steve. Listen to episode 31 if you missed the first part of the story. Stay tuned to episode 33 and probably 34 for continuing saga of the Celine deal. Um, I know that you all have a lot of options to listen to. Uh, you have a lot of options in our market alone to listen to. So I thank you for your time and appreciate it. And I'll let Jeremy take us out. All right, folks. If you haven't already, go to 313cashdeals.com. You don't want to miss any of the deals. So go sign up. Put your email address in there. I think there might even be an option to put in your um, text. All that, right? Also, if you got a house you want to sell, go to stevebuyshousesfast.com. If you're interested in all things Steve, go to clickso, C-L-Y-X-O.com forward slash S-L-O-N-D-O. And he really brought the heat this time. If you like this, it takes time out of Steve's week to do this. Uh, he's got to prepare. He's got to do some stuff. Go read and review on iTunes. It really does help. And a ton of you are sharing as well. Um, go share. A lot of value add this week, a lot of strategy, uh, a lot of how to improve your business. Uh, take a minute and share it and rate and review if you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, go somewhere else. All right, folks. Also, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate the opportunity. Until we catch you next week. See ya.